Social media hashtag for this series is Radical Love, hashtag Radical Love. So if you post something awesome on uh, the uh, social media about uh, something I preach today, uh, please put that right there with it. I'm assuming you're going to do that. I'm just assuming. If you'd like sermon notes, right there's the uh, email address that you use to get the sermon notes. Today we continue our journey through the book of Ruth. This is our third message in the series, and today we're going to conclude chapter 1. We have been talking over the past two weeks about the power of choices and the impact of the many decisions we make throughout not just our life or not just the course of a year or a month or a day, or, uh, but even in an hour, we can make several very, very important choices. Remember some facts about choices we're going to review last week. You're free to choose. You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. You have to make a choice. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choices. Remember this from last week. A few big decisions take care of a whole lot of little decisions. If you make the big decision, it'll settle a lot of little decisions in your life. Uh, we are looking at Elimelech in the book of Ruth. We're in chapter 1 again. Don't forget that. Elimelech made some bad decisions. I want, you to, I want you to just keep in mind that Elimelech came from a godly heritage but made some bad decisions. How many of you know that's possible? Ruth came from a pagan background and made some awesome wise choices. How many of you know that can happen too? So just because you have a godly background doesn't mean you're going to make wise choices in your life. You have to decide. I run into people once in a while who think because my mom and dad were such great Christians, that makes me a Christian. No, it doesn't. God's got kids. He don't have grandkids. So if you decide to follow Jesus, that will be your decision, not your mom and dad's, not grandma and grandpa's. You have to make that decision for yourself, for your own life. And so Elimelech, from his dark background, made terrible decisions. Ruth, uh, or Elimelech, from his uh, godly background, made terrible decisions. Ruth, from her dark background, made very good decisions. Elimelech, uh, we looked at why he made those bad choices. He had a messed up motive. He had a messed up method of making decisions. And he had a messed up master because his master was not God. His master was self when he made those decisions. Finally, we revealed the devastating consequences of Elimelech's bad choices, death, uh, deficiency, and disappointment. So we've talked about two things, and today we're going to talk about the third. We've talked about the principles of a willing choice. We have talked about the power of a wicked choice, or I'm sorry, the problems of a wicked choice. And today, we're going to talk about the power of of a wise choice. Once again, Elimelech, that example of poor decision-making. In contrast, Ruth, the example of godly decision-making. And in this message, we're going to see how Ruth makes some very wise choices and how those wise choices transform her life for good. Now, to fully appreciate Ruth's wise choices, you have to understand what was against her. What was against Ruth? There was a lot fighting against her. And you might be here today and you think you've got it bad and you think things are going bad for you and you think there's little or no hope for you. Well, I want you to look with me at the condition of Ruth's life very quickly. Number one, Ruth was living under a curse. Ruth was living under a curse because Ruth was a Moabite. 
She was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. And so she was living under a curse. Now that's like us. You know, I told you in the beginning of this series that Ruth is a picture of us. And we are born under a curse. Listen, you're not born connected to God. You're born disconnected to God. And the connector, the thing that gets us back to God, is the death, burial, and resurrection of his son Jesus. And when you trust in what Jesus did, and when you trust in the person of Jesus, the resurrected Savior, then you get reconnected back to God. So a lot of people say, well, I was born a Christian, but I think I messed up. No, I've got good news for you. You were born messed up, and you need a Savior. Everybody say, I need a Savior. We all need a Savior because we, like Ruth, were born under a curse. The law said to Ruth, stay out. The law says to us, stay out. But grace said to Ruth, come on in. And grace said to us as Gentiles, come on in. I thank God for that this morning, and I know you do as well. So we, like Ruth, live under a curse, and our only hope for heaven is the grace of God. Number two, Ruth was not only under a curse, she had a broken heart. She was a young woman, and her husband had died. And she watered his grave with her tears. Ruth knew all about grief. She knew all about loss. She knew all about sorrow. And there are some of you sitting right here today who know all about sorrow. You know all about loss. You know all about grief. There are people sitting right here, right now, under the sound of my voice, and you have a broken heart just like Ruth. So this means that this Old Testament book of Ruth is for you. It's for you to study. And i got to tell you, I'm really excited as I get reports each week of people going, Pastor, I'm reading the book of Ruth. I never read the book of Ruth. I really didn't know what this story was about. I kind of have always gone to the New Testament for everything. But, and one lady wrote me this week and said, Pastor, Jesus is all through the book of Ruth. And I was like, yes, there's somebody who gets it. And this Old Testament book of Ruth is for you. And if you, like Ruth, will trust God, your life can become a love story just like hers. She was under a curse. She had a broken heart. Number three, Ruth was condemned to die. When you understand the culture of that day, uh, when a woman did not have a husband to take care of her, it was almost a death sentence. So when Ruth's husband passed away, Ruth is now condemned to die. He was to be her provider. He was to be her protector. There was no social security back then. We have here at the church the Giving Life Fund that you give to every week, and because of your giving, we're able to help people whose lights have been turned off, who have no food in the pantry. We're able to help widows, and we're able to help folks who are struggling, who are really having a hard time. So thank you guys for what you do every week, and thank you so much for your giving so we can help people like that. Let me tell you something. You have no idea how many people you help. You have, listen, Bridge. You have no idea how many people you are helping them not just uh, um, get by, or, but you're helping them survive. I mean, there are people we're meeting weekly uh, that, are, that are 
just on the very edge of not surviving, nowhere to live, no food to eat, uh, no electricity, no water. And when we find out about that, we're able to help because of you. And I just want to thank you. You know, you guys always applaud me. Don't anybody clap. I want to just clap for you. And I want to thank you guys for what you do. But there was nothing like that for Ruth. I want you to see the typology here. Just as Ruth was condemned to die because of the death of her husband, you and I were condemned to die because of somebody's death, Adam's death. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, because of one person's disobedience, that is because one person died spiritually, and because he died spiritually, he also died physically, because had Adam not sinned, he would have never aged. Ladies, don't that just make you so mad at him? Don't that just make you so mad at uh, Eve? We wouldn't age. We would always be young and beautiful. I know some people think I'm not under the curse, but I am, really, I am. Just, I'm just like the rest of you. But because of one person's sin, the Bible says in Romans 5, 19, uh, many died spiritually. That means us. When Adam died, that, means, that meant we had died because it was passed down upon all of us. And so we need a Savior. Ruth needed a Redeemer. Because of the death of her husband, she needed a Redeemer. And because of the death of Adam, you and I need a Redeemer. We need a Savior. We're going to meet her Redeemer next week. I want you to look with me at um, a fourth thing. Now you can clearly see a parallel here between Ruth and us. But against this dark background that Ruth comes from, there's this diamond of grace that we're going to see as we walk through this book. So I want you to stop saying things like, it's too late for me. I want you to stop saying things like, it's too dark for me. It's too difficult for me. It's too hopeless for me. Others have a hope, but I don't have any hope. Yes, you do. Listen, if Ruth had hope with all of this against her, everyone in this building and throughout the world today has hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, the same God that made a way for Ruth will make a way for you. With everything that was against her, she exercised her will and made a decision for God. And that brings us to number four. Ruth was given a new life. She was given a second chance. How many of you are thankful that we serve the God of a second chance? Can I ask you this? Amen. I don't know about you, but for me, the God of a tenth chance, <laughs> the God of a one hundredth chance. How about the God of a one millionth? God will receive you every time. Every time you fail, every time you stumble, every time you fall, he will receive you in grace and mercy and forgive you. Ruth's horrible life, Ruth's hopeless life became a new life. You know what Jesus says in Revelation 21 and 5? He says, behold, everybody say this with me, behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ. Now, if you've not trusted in Christ, you're not in Christ, you're outside of Christ. But you've, if you've trusted in the cross, if you've trusted in the resurrection of Jesus, if you've trusted Jesus as the God-man, the Redeemer, the Savior, God in the flesh, and you've believed upon him for your own personal life, Paul says, again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a what kind of creature? A new creature. He makes all things new. 
Some of you just need a, a, a redo, a, a start over, a reset. You know, I love on my computer the undo button. Do y'all have an undo button on your computer? Just typing away and make all kinds of mistakes and just hit undo and you're like, thank you, Jesus. I thought all that was gone. And so, you know, God just gives us that undo button. We come to him and he forgives and he restores and he blesses. He makes all things. Everybody say it. New. He'll give you something new. You need something new. You need a new life. You need a new start. You need a new beginning. You need a reset. There's only one place you can get that through Jesus Christ. Let's get back to our story. And I want to read a couple of verses from chapter 1 again. And let's go to verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, then Naomi, now you remember Naomi. Naomi is Ruth's what? Mother-in-law, okay? By the way, do you all know what mixed emotions are? <laughs> mixed emotions are when a man sees his mother-in-law driving his new Cadillac off a cliff. <laughs> Was that wrong? Was that wrong? I love when I tell a joke and it just goes and everybody's like, ah, all right, that was terrible. I have no idea why I told that. It has nothing to do with this. <laughs> so I was anointed right up until that joke, and I lost it. Now I got it back. I'm good. I'm good. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. Now, I don't even have this in my notes, but when I was reading this morning and praying and getting ready, I thought about, isn't God awesome? That when you go away from him and get in a dark place, Naomi was where? In Moab. But in the dark place, God still let her hear how he was blessing his people in the place of light, Judah. And in the dark place, she heard about the light. She heard about what God was doing in Judah. I just think that's so awesome. I could preach on that. All morning, but I'm moving on. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. And what little town was in Judah? Bethlehem, where she was from. How had the Lord blessed them? By giving them what? Good crops. What did I tell you? When we are in the place of blessing, but we're not getting blessed, what do we need to do? Hold on, baby. Trust God. See, if Elimelech had just stayed in Bethlehem and trusted God, none of the bad things that happened would have happened because that was the place of blessing. Judah was the place of blessing. Moab was not the place of blessing. Some of you need to leave Moab and get back to Judah. Some of you, like Elimelech, used to be in Bethlehem. You used to be in Judah. You used to be in the place of blessing, but you got scared, you got discouraged, and you ran to Moab. Let me tell you something good about God. He'll let you come back to Judah. He'll let you come back to Bethlehem. Is that good news? Can I ask you something? Have you ever strayed off into Moab? I have. And I'm so glad God lets me come back to Bethlehem. Oh, that's good. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. I've read that ten times. He blessed them by doing what? Giving them good crops. When? Again. Blessings coming, blessings coming. How many of you know God will let you go through a test? Yeah, baby, but you hang in there, it's coming. So, Noemi, that's her sister, her twin sister. So, Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to, that's good news right there, got ready to what? Leave Moab, baby. We're leaving Moab. 
to return to her. I'm so glad we can come back. I got to tell you, I could just stand, we could just all stand right now and we could just dismiss. That is the message right there. You can come back. You know what? I, there are times when I'm up here preaching and I just feel the Holy Spirit say, stay right there just a minute because there's somebody needs to hear this. And I feel that right now. Listen to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how low you've gone. You can come home. You can come home. You can come back. You can come back to God. I don't care what has happened. I don't care how bad the enemy has told you it's over for you. It is not. You can always come home. And the Lord is calling some of you who felt like you could never come home again because of your life and decisions you've made. Can I just say from the pulpit of the bridge, that's a lie from hell. God says, come on back home. Come on back home. Think about that prodigal son covered in pig slop and other stuff pigs have. Coming back home stinking. The Bible says his father saw him afar off and ran to him. I was reading about that recently. And it said that the father kissed him. You know, when you look that Greek word up, it means he smothered him in kisses. He didn't care what that son had on him. He didn't care what that son smelled like. Listen, that was his boy. You can always <clears throat> come home. Verse 7. With her daughters-in-law, that is Naomi, with her daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, hallelujah, the place of no blessing, and they took the road that would lead them where? Back to Judah, back to the what? Place of blessing. Love, love, love that. Now let's, let's, do, a little, let's do a little background here. Let's do a little catch-up here. Naomi now has heard how God is blessing in Israel <clears throat> She's hearing that now there's plenty of food and water there in Bethlehem, so she decides to go back home, back to the place of blessing. Naomi's daughters-in-law assume that they're going to go back with her. They just assume we are just connected to Naomi. We're going back, and, and they assume, man, we're going back with Naomi. Nothing's going to stop that. But you have to understand that Naomi has been in Moab for a long time, and she's become affected by the thinking of Moab. She has been heartbroken. She has been disappointed. She's been beaten down. And now Naomi is not the woman of God she was when she left Bethlehem. Y'all with me out there? So Naomi's time in Moab has messed her up. How many of you know if you stay in Moab too long, it's going to mess you up? It messed her up. It messed up her faith. It messed up her perspective. And in her discouragement, and if you'll let me use this word, we don't use it very often, but in her backslidden state, she had slidden back from God. She had gotten away from God. Now, she was still his child, but she had gotten away from him. And when you get away from God, you, you, you get messed up in how you view things, how you see things. And so she's gotten away from God, and in her discouragement, Naomi begins to blame God for the trouble she's in. That's how messed up you can get. And so she tells her daughters-in-law, don't come with me. Stay in Moab. How many of y'all know that's bad advice right there? That's bad advice. Listen, I don't know why I'm saying these things today. God's, 
you know, God's uh, just kind of quickening my heart on some things. You know, when you're listening to somebody and you're getting advice from somebody, make sure they're connected to God. You say, uh, well, Naomi was an Israelite. I mean, you know, Naomi is a, a, a Jew. She was a, one of God's chosen. I understand all that. But can I tell you that when Christians get away from God, they can give you some bad advice, especially when they're bitter, when they're angry, when they've got unforgiveness in their heart, when they feel like uh, they've been uh, treated with injustice. They will give you some bad advice for your life. So when you're getting advice from somebody, especially you new Christians, you make sure the one you're getting advice from is connected to God. Is that a good word right there? And so Naomi's giving them bad advice. And uh, she, uh, and, and you know, again, we go back to this whole thing of Elimelech is the key to this. You men out there, you, you guys, you, you husbands, you fathers, uh, Elimelech is the man, and he made a bad decision, and it's affected his wife and his boys and his whole family. And Naomi's now so far away from God that she'd tell her two daughters-in-law to go back to your people, back to your land, back to your pagan gods. Go back. But Orpha and Ruth begin to weep, and that's Ruth's sister, Orpha, not Oprah. I told you all last week, had uh, she been Oprah, they would have been fine. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> So, don't write that down. If you were taking notes, don't write that down. Orpha and Ruth began to weep. Ruth and her sister began to weep. And they began to resist Naomi and say, we don't want to. We don't want to go back to Moab, Naomi. We want to go with you. But I'm telling you, boy, Naomi, is, she goes on and on about it. And you can really tell she's a wounded spirit. She's hurt. She is bitter. And she's just telling them, you don't need to be with me. I got a curse on me. Matter of fact, I don't even want to be known as Naomi anymore. I want to be known as Mara. I mean, she's messed up in her thinking, and she's messing up these baby Christians here, if you'll let me use that term in the Old Testament sense. She's messing them up. And finally, Orpha relents and gives in to Naomi and gives her a kiss on the cheek and goes back to Moab. Isn't that amazing? And that's the last we hear of Orpha. We don't read anything else in the Bible about her but Ruth. I love it, man. Ruth stands her ground. And the Bible says instead of giving Naomi a kiss, the Bible says she clung to her. She cleaved to her. And she said, I'm not going back. I will not return to Moab. Naomi, I'm going with you. And when I read that, I thought about in the church today, we got kissers and clingers. Let me tell you about the kissers. The kissers get real emotional. And you tell sad stories when you preach and blah, blah, blah. And they get emotional. They'll shed a few tears. But in the end... They decide to go back to Moab. They decide not to make a commitment to Jesus. But then you got the clingers in the church. Thank God for the clingers. Not cling-ons. Clingers. The cleavers, the ones who, who cleave, who get a hold of God and say, I'm not going back. How many of you know that God will test you to see if you'll cling? He'll test you to see if you'll cleave. He'll test you to see like Jacob and 
Genesis chapter 39, when he looked up at that angel and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. How many of you understand that God will let you go through trials and he will let you go through troubles and he will let you go through barren places and he will let you go through dark places and he will test you to see if you're a kisser or a clinger. Be a clinger. Cleave to him. Put your arms around him and hold on and look at him and say, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. That's what Ruth said. Now Ruth makes a decision. And I want us to examine it very quickly. Let's examine Ruth's decision. We're going to call this seven basics of a wise decision. I know when I say seven, y'all get nervous. But here's the reason sometimes I preach too long. Because y'all don't listen fast enough. (laughs) How many of you promise you'll listen fast today? You're going to listen fast, all right? So I'm going to give you seven things about Ruth that caused her to make a good decision. And the same seven things that caused her to make a good decision will cause you to make a good decision, okay? Number one, Ruth had a new resolve. She had a new uh, made-up mind. I mean, she's, you know, the Bible talks about, and this just came to me, the Bible talks about Daniel and how the king offered Daniel. He said, Daniel, uh, we're going to give you the meat that was offered to idols. And, and that meat's kind of left over, and we don't need that meat anymore. We kind of offered it up to idols, and uh, we're going to give you that meat. And Daniel, you just eat that. And Daniel was in prison. Do you all remember this in the Bible? And what does the Bible say? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not eat meat offered to idols. He made up his mind. He made a resolve. I will not eat uh, meat offered to idols. And so she made a resolve. There are people sitting right here, right now, all over this building. That's the one thing you haven't done. You've done everything great, but you've not really decided, I'm following Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Look what she says. She says in Ruth 1.16, but Ruth replied, Naomi, do not urge me to leave you. And do not urge me to turn back from you. I'm not going to do it. She has a made-up mind. I wrote in my own words what I thought Ruth was saying there. I think she was saying, Naomi, there's no need to even attempt to send me back to Moab. I've made up my mind. Through your influence, Naomi, I've had a small taste of the one and only true God, Jehovah, and I can't go back to the pagan gods of Moab. I won't go back. I'm resolved in my heart with God, and don't tell me not to follow you. I'm coming with you. And I'm asking you to make a decision like that today. I'm asking you to resolve in your heart no going back. Would you say with your whole heart to God today, God, from this day on, I'm going to follow you. I'm not looking back. I love the scripture over in Joshua 24, a very familiar scripture. Some of you have it on the wall in your home. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness and throw away the idol gods your ancestors worshiped and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And then what does Joshua say, that statement we love? But as for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. That's the resolve we need to make in our hearts today. We need to drive down a stake this morning and say, I'm not going back. I'm not playing church anymore. I'm not playing Christian anymore. I'm going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Christ when everybody's looking and when nobody's looking. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's a resolve. The next thing she did was she had a new course. Because when you make a new resolve, you get a new direction for your life. You get a new course for your life. Look what she says. She says, Naomi, you might as well get it in your head. Where you go, I'll go. I've got a new direction for my life, Naomi. Don't even try it. You know what a Christian is, ladies and gentlemen? You know what a true Bible Christian is? A true Bible Christian. A lot of people call themselves Christians today, and they're not. A true Bible Christian is one who follows Jesus. Not just one who tips their hat to Jesus, says a few nice things about Jesus. A true disciple, a true Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say when he calls his disciples? He says, come what? Follow me. Have you said that to the Lord Jesus? Have you said to him, Lord, where you lead? I will follow. Are you tired of the direction of your life? Then resolve to follow Jesus and watch the direction change. And it will always change for the better when you decide to follow Jesus. Number three, Ruth had a new resolve, a new course. She had a new reliance. She wasn't dependent on the things she used to depend on. She said, I want you to know that, Naomi, I'm not just going with you. But when we get to your house, I'm staying with you, girl, because I know you got the groceries. I know you got the good stuff, and I'm not going to rely on the gods of the Moabites, and I'm not going to rely on the Moabites, Naomi. I've got a new reliance. I'm relying on Naomi, you, and the God you serve. I've got a new reliance. Let me just tell you what I think she was saying. She was saying, Naomi, I'm not just coming with you. I'm staying with you in your house. I want to stay in the household of a godly woman, under the shelter of godly influence. I'm no longer relying on the Moabites and their gods. My new reliance is now on you, Naomi, a woman who follows the one and only true God. I'm coming to live with you. And Naomi, I don't want to just rely on you. I want to rely on your God. Naomi, I'm coming with you so you can teach me more about your God and how he meets my needs. Where you go, Naomi, I'll go. And Naomi, not only that, where you stay, where you live, that's where I'm going to live. And your people are now going to be my people. Have you ever said that to Jesus? Number four, Ruth had a new desire. A new desire. She said, your people will be my people. I believe she was saying, I no longer have a desire to be in Moab. And I no longer have a desire to be with the Moabites and to be influenced by the Moabites anymore. My new desire is to be with you to be with your kind of people, to be with your God. I don't want to be with the pagans. I don't want to be in this land of death and wickedness and ruin and idol worship. I've got a new desire. I've got a new longing in my heart. You know what the Bible says? It says we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and we ought to do it even more as the day of the Lord's coming approaches. See, that's why I believe church attendance is so important. Matter of fact, if I can be blunt today, I have a problem with people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I love Jesus, but I don't want to be in the church. I don't want to gather with God's people. You know what I believe? I'm old school. I believe if you love Jesus, you're going to love God's people. And I believe if you love Jesus, you're going to want to be with God's people. And I'm going to just be really honest with you. 
If you tell me you love Jesus, but you never want to be with God's people, I think you need to really get on your knees and check that love level for Jesus. Because when you get right with Jesus, you want to be with his people. You know the cross has two beams. The beam that runs up and down represents our love and relationship with him. And the beam that runs this way represents our love and relationship with people. On one occasion, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And when Jesus was asked that question, you would have thought Jesus would have said, no commandment is greater than another. All the commandments are the same. But he didn't. Jesus said there is one commandment greater than all the others. And here's why he said that. Because he knew if you got this one down pat, you'd get all the other ones down pat. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and everything that is within you. He said that's the greatest commandment. Then he said this. He said, the second commandment is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. I tell you, when you love Jesus, you're going to love being with Jesus' people. Number five, Ruth made a new commitment. She said, and I want to declare this day that not only am I going where you go, and not only am I going to live where you live, but your God is going to be my God. I've got a new God. No longer am I serving the pagan gods of Moab. I am choosing the God of Israel. I am choosing what I believe to be the one and only true and living God. I'm committed to you and your God, Naomi. I was committed to the false gods, but I am turning. I am turning from that. I am committing to the God of Israel. You need to leave your Moab. You need to leave your Moab, and you need to come to Jesus today. Number six, Ruth had a new loyalty. Ruth had a new loyalty. She said, I want you to know that Naomi, when it comes time to die, I'm not even going to leave you then. She said, because I want you to know that where you die, I'm going to die. I mean, when I die, I want to be buried really close to you. I mean, this just denotes a loyalty that is not based on circumstances or situations. She says to her, she says, Naomi, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. She says, when I get to Bethlehem, if things get tough, I want you to understand something. If things get tough in Bethlehem, and we know they can, how many of y'all know things can get tough in Bethlehem? Things, you know what I mean by that? Things can get tough when you're living right. Things can get tough when you're doing right. Things can get tough when you're obeying God. As a matter of fact, I hate to tell you all this, but you can get in trouble because you do obey God. He said, she said, I don't care. She said, if things get tough in Bethlehem, I am going to remain loyal to you. I'm going to remain loyal primarily to your God. I'm telling you, Naomi, I've made a once-in-a-lifetime commitment, and where you die, I will die. And then it brings us to the final one, number seven. Ruth has a new destiny. She says, where you die, I will die. And then she goes on and says, and I will be buried where you're buried. Now let me go on and read that in verse 17 because there's a little more. She says, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now buddy, that's a destiny right there. I mean, Naomi, you've had such an impact on my life by introducing me to your God. 
and I see God and I see the true God and my life is so transformed and my life is so changed, I'm telling you, Naomi, I am not going back to those old things. Nothing will separate you and I, even death. And that reminded me of the scripture over there in Romans chapter 8 when Paul said that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Those are the seven basics, I believe, of a wise decision. Now let me end this sermon. Without a doubt, this is one of the sweetest declarations of faith you'll find anywhere in the Bible. I'm talking about uh, Ruth chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17. It's so beautiful. I want you to just sit back and listen as I read it to you again. But Ruth replied, Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. And I want you to think about this in the sense of you talking to God. You're saying this to God. Maybe you're going through a testing time and you're hearing voices that are saying run or turn away from God. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, and I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. What a beautiful declaration from the mouth of Ruth. It was Ruth's decision to make, and she made it. Elimelech, out of a godly background, made a bad series of decisions. Ruth, out of a dark and godless background, made wonderful decisions, and it counted for all eternity. You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choices. And one big decision, and you can make it this morning, will settle a whole lot of little decisions in your life. Will you stand?